the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now at 11 minutes past 10. Thank you so much for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a Monday, the sixth morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2020. It is the first day of Holy Week as well. And uh, that is not lost on uh, the faithful. And I certainly hope that people remember that during this very trying week that there is to come. We don't always understand why things are the way they are, but uh, please make sure to uh, keep holy this uh, this very important time. I know it's tough. You know, you can't. What would you do yesterday? Did you go to Palm Sunday? No. Did you watch Palm Sunday on your local uh, church's uh, um, uh, internet cast of it? Uh, I know that some churches, by the way, were giving away palms as kind of a drive-by thing. You just drive by, grab your palm, and and go on about your day. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough watching Good Friday Mass, perhaps watching Holy Thursday Mass, et cetera, et cetera, all the way through Easter Sunday. And I know it's not going to be easy for everybody, but please don't ever let your faith be lost, even in this very trying time. Okay, um, talking to the science of this now, I want to go, you know, I've been kind of going back and forth between the science of what we're dealing with with the Chinese coronavirus and the faith factor here. I want to go back to the science now. This is kind of odd. One wouldn't think the science of solving a global pandemic would somehow involve veterinary work. Okay, this isn't exactly veterinary work. It wouldn't involve zoological work. All right, it's not exactly exactly zoological work either, but it does involve animals. Um, we're, we're waiting to talk to Gary. Gary Broberg is supposed to be joining us here in the next couple of minutes. Uh, we're having a hard time establishing that connection with him at the moment. But his story was told by Bob Dyer, in the Akron Beacon Journal this past Friday, or Thursday, I think it was. And um, i got to tell you, I'm very intrigued. This is the science of canine detection. Gary Broberg has been training dogs for a very, very long time. He lives in Berea, 
and he has worked with FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency Task Force. He trains scent-detecting dogs and has used them to locate dead bodies uh, uh, in Ohio and after national tragedies, uh, such as the Oklahoma City bombing and the 1994 U.S. air crash near Pittsburgh that killed 132 people. Uh, Gary Broberg, again, who we're trying to get on the air, um, he is on. Oh, good, because I was just going to have to tell his story for him. Uh, we weren't able to make the connection with Gary. I was just going to share with you the information that we got from the Akron Beacon Journal argument uh, uh, article, but now I'm told he is on the air. So Gary Broberg from Berea, can you hear me? I, I'm here, Bob, and I apologize. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if we are going to be on this morning or not, so... Yeah, no, yeah, we had you on the schedule, my friend. We uh, got a little nervous okay. there when you kept going straight to voicemail. We thought maybe your phone died on you because of your oh, international okay, okay. celebrity now. <laughs> You're right. Okay. <laughs> you probably had a lot of people to talk to you after that article in the Akron Beacon Journal. Oh, okay. my God. I was inundated. It was the whirlwind weekend. Uh, honestly, I can't begin to tell you. Well, I can imagine. I really can imagine. I know I was very intrigued by this. Obviously, you and I spoke on the air on Friday when you called the show, and I didn't realize that it was you, that you were the subject of the article. I thought you were just telling us about this guy in the article. Turns out it's you. So, yeah. so glad, so glad to get you. So let's, I was just about to give some of the details on your background as you explained to Bob Dyer in the Akron Beacon Journal. But now that you're here, why don't you tell us how long did you work with FEMA and tell me about your background in training canines? Well, I was with, uh, with FEMA. I was appointed by the governor in '94. Uh, worked with FEMA for two years. Uh, worked at the Oklahoma bombing uh, incident uh, for seven days. Uh, worked over a canine crew up there. Worked uh, at U.S. Air Flight 427 plane crash in Pittsburgh. Uh, we uh, at the, there we. Um, we're looking for the remains of 135 souls. Wow. And uh, because it was all fractured body parts. And, and, and oh, and above that, we had seven documented body finds and one live find. So um, it, it's pretty extensive background when it comes to dealing with dogs. Now, I've got 35 years probably training sense detection dogs. No bite work or anything like that, just strictly sense detection dogs. Well, that that was going to be my next question. It's one thing to train a cadaver dog. We have seen those all over the place. Obviously, they're very helpful and useful in that regard of uh, being able to detect cadavers. But what experience do you have or what experience are you aware of um, that has been done with dogs detecting disease on living people? Well, you have a research study that was done in 2016 uh, by NIH in conjunction with uh, uh, University of Auburn uh, School of uh, Veterinary Medicine. And mm-hmm. so I kind of followed up on that. Uh, my background in, in, in training dogs for disease, uh, I, I, ha- I have done. However, there are, there's a plethora of articles out there uh, which talk about the, the capabilities of dogs detecting cancer in its first stage and whether it's ovarian cancer and uh, but uh, never, never got involved into any of the, the studies. I have seen some of the anecdotal stories about cancer as well. Dogs that have been able to detect the smell of cancer. And as a matter of fact, um, one of the ones that I saw, and it was a documentary special of some sort in which 
this particular dog or there was a particular set of dogs that were trained actually knew when the cancer had progressed to the point where the person was about to die. And I don't know if you ever saw this, but the dogs in the cancer wards would would independently, not being taken on a leash, independently take themselves to essentially the beds, the bedside, or even the laps of of cancer patients who were about to die. And it was almost like they were sometimes termed the dogs of death because they knew when someone was about to die of cancer and they went there to comfort them during their last moment. So this kind of thing, again, that's anecdotal. It's not like there's a widespread study of it, but it is amazing what dogs are able to tell and to be able to detect when it comes to disease in the human body. Uh, I'm in total total agreement uh, with you about that. Uh, If I might, let me uh, tell you what we're what uh, we're really working on here. What we believe, okay, is that the uh, dog can detect an odor, and uh, you know there are there are currently dogs right now detecting the odor of C diff uh, in, hosp- in hospital settings, and they've had great success. Well, C diff is a very 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 dangerous superbug, yet it's had no effect on the dogs whatsoever. And so uh, we kind of, I, I kind of took off on that and did my research. And then this, this COVID-19 hit like overnight. And uh, the idea is, well, you know, the dogs are detecting C. diff. The dogs are detecting cancer at a very early stage. Uh, it seems likely that they could detect the uh, presence of an odor from the uh, COVID-19. And what that would in, what that would allow the uh, uh, the actual uh, testers to determine is is the presence of COVID nineteen in an individual who's and it's a very very early stages and in an early stage stage so early that the test can't even pick it up. There's been a lot of flaws with the testing, Bob. Uh, I mean, I think the first generation of the tests were about fifty percent accurate. Yeah, second generation were yeah, and so here there's almost instant verification. Uh, You can always recheck. Like uh, for example, if you have a dog that tests an individual and it's a positive alert, you can always take another dog back and see if the dog alerts at the same test tube. So from that standpoint... So, so give me, hold on a second if I could, Gary. Give, give me how this would work. Now, I know you explained this in the Akron Beacon Journal article, but tell it to our listeners who haven't read it. How do you, how do you, you know, does the dog just go up to people and smell them? Or uh, there's a more specific way that you envision this working that was outlined in the article. Well, Can you explain that? Yeah, yeah, you know, you have your, your lines of cars, okay, that are coming through, and, they, and people uh, have been taking swabs of their nose. Well, what we what we've determined is that's a pretty obtrusive way of gas collecting the actual virus, and in many cases, the, the nose is very very dry. Whereas, um, you know, the mouth, uh, the throat, the nose, the ear—it's all one system. And if the if uh, the virus is in the nose, it should be in the mouth as well. And so, what we uh, to try to eliminate contact and and exposure on the part of the the personnel that are working at these locations, the um, you, you would take the paperwork uh, information from the people who are getting tested. They would get a barcode uh, test tube with a uh, with a swab in it, 
And then what would happen is they would drive into this shelter, much like the rubberized shelter that other people have seen, and they would uh, swab their mouth, put it in a test tube, close it, and put it in a little tray. Now, that test tube has got a barcode on it, and then it goes back to... um, to a clean room, or you know, it could be a mobile trailer or something like that. And there may be twelve canisters mm-hmm. that um, would uh, be lined up. And then, after the placement of the tubes, uh, what would happen is you would the handler and the dog would run past those canisters. A door would, a little door would get lifted, and uh, the actual dog would sniff the odor, not the virus. The o just the odor of the virus, and uh, if 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 it's positive, if it, if they can, if they're picking up the odor, the dog is going to sit. And now you know you've got a, a hot sample, and, and then you bring that dog another dog through again and retest. And then once uh, you've determined that, you uh, have someone contact that individual, say they need to get to their doctor or their hospital for further evaluation. Gary Broberg is my guest. He is a uh, has worked with FEMA. He is a dog training expert, particularly when it comes to uh, uh, dog scent training. And he's got an idea to help um, evaluate whether or not people have coronavirus or not. And uh, Gary, I'm not done with you. There's more to cover here. I've got to take a break, though. Can you stay with us, Gary? Uh, Gary, yeah, uh, I'm here. Okay, can can you stay with us through this I'm break, here, Gary? Bob. I'm here. All right, I don't know me? if Gary. Yeah, Gary, let's let's disconnect here or let's reconnect here with him uh, if we can on the other side. He's not hearing me. All right, ten twenty three. We'll take a quick time out. Come back with Gary after this. Okay, ten twenty six. I think we've reestablished our connection to Gary Broberg. Gary, you can hear me now. Yes, yes, I can, okay. Bob. Okay, so I want to dive right back into this now. You were explaining kind of the procedure that you see this working in. Uh, it sounds a little bit cumbersome. It sounds like, you know, you got to drive through this tented area and you got to do this, you know, barcoded thing. That probably takes some time to generate barcodes, drop them in here and get it there, and then blah, blah, blah. It sounds like it's very uh, time-consuming as well. How many of these do you think could be done? How effective would this be in a large scale of determining who's got it and who doesn't? Uh well, we know one dog can do four, 400 samples a day, but the idea is to have uh, the system set up in every county. And if they don't want to go to counties, then go, go to region. But the county would be uh, the mo- most preferable. But really, when you think about it, Bob, when you, if you're driving in, and of course, we try to get the, you know, expedite the whole process of collecting the information because you got to have it barcoded. You got to know who it's going to. And, and it's got to be blinded. You can't know, uh, you know, whose test tube belongs to who or anything like that. And, and, uh, so, you know, from the time you, you collect information to the time you drive through, I mean, it may be four or five minutes. But uh, you could have maybe three or four of these stations set up at one location. It's it's possible. In the article, in the interview you did with the Akron Beacon Journal, Gary, um, this is what you said, and I love this. 88 counties in Ohio, we all know. There are 10 available scent detection dogs already available in each county. That's 880 dogs doing 400 swab samples a day. 
equating to 352,000 tests a day that could be done. That converts to 33 days to check every resident in the state of Ohio. Again, that is a phenomenal idea, and that rate of efficiency is terrific. So my question is, is how do you get this started? Do you got to get an audience with the governor? Do you got to talk to Amy Acton? How, where, where do we go from here with this? Yeah, you do. And, the, and really, it boils down to advocates like yourself uh, who like the idea. You know, the media, half the media poo-poo it, Bob, and the other half go, wow, this is really a great idea. But, yeah, it's, it's getting an audience and, and uh, starting to plant seeds with Amy Acton and, and the governor. And, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, nothing comes in the way of where, uh, there's any problems with dogs uh, uh, making contact with the coronavirus and getting infected and that sort of thing. There's something that just came out today about tigers getting coronavirus up in. in yeah, Brooklyn one one tiger, one tiger in the Bronx yeah. Zoo in New York uh, uh, did did indeed test positive for the coronavirus. Now, yeah. why they started testing yeah. the tiger, I don't know. But that that was yeah. going to be my last question for you. Is there any danger to the dogs? Well, uh, I had sent uh, some information down, and there's a, a, vet, a veterinary uh, scientist named uh, uh, Palmer who did an extensive research. The last thing that he says is that uh, uh, there, there's virtually no potential incidents that could occur for, from uh, Corona-19 being uh, where the dogs would... Uh, uh, be subject to it and uh yeah so that that's what we were basing the article on uh it was it was science and now this this thing pops up which clearly is not science so well, I'll tell you what, this is, uh, this is a really amazing opportunity. I hope that they recognize at the state level, you know, that what we're supposed to do here is think outside the box, right? Everybody says this novel coronavirus has never been seen before. So guess what that requires? Perhaps it requires some actions that have never been tried before. And, uh, we know that the scent detection that dogs have done, as you pointed out with other diseases, has been tried. Uh, it's certainly worth an attempt to see exactly how accurate it is, maybe even do it on a small scale to see. Uh, you know uh, how well it works on a on a small sample, and then maybe start instituting this in counties across the state. I think the idea has merit, Gary. I salute you for the ingenuity here, and I really appreciate you sharing this information with everybody. And guess what? When I talk to state officials, I'll uh, I'll try to ask that question as well to see if we can gain some uh, some traction there. Okay. Much appreciated, Bob. Thank you very much. We'll keep you in the loop on this. Thank you, Gary, for what you're doing and for okay. sharing it with us. Appreciate it. God bless. All right, 1031, let's get a time out here. We'll uh, come back. Guess what? We're guest-free the rest of the way. So if you want to react to that or anything else we've discussed so far or the news that has broken over the weekend, we'll do it at 216-901-0945 right here on M1420, The Answer. Ten thirty-seven. Now we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Really, an interesting conversation with Gary Broberg, a uh, an experienced thirty-five years. He's been training canines, either as cadaver dogs or scent dogs, for various things. He has seen and used them. 
uh, in uh, detecting disease in other cases, but again, in small samples, he thinks they can be trained to, u- to be used to uh, uh, detect coronavirus and whether or not people are positive or negative for it by the smell of the virus, not the actual virus itself, which is really kind of fascinating. Also talked last hour with our friend, Congressman Jim Jordan, who is lamenting the fact that not everybody is rowing the boat in the same direction as it pertains to the federal response, rather than everybody working to find the solution to keep Americans healthy and to try to restore our economic health in this country, the liberal Democrats, led by Nancy Pelosi, continue to play politics with the pandemic. Everything turns political for the left. They don't, as, as Rahm Emanuel has now famously said, they don't let a crisis go to waste. They, they capitalize on it, and they capitalize on it in a way to, to further their, their political objectives. So uh, you're right. I'm very nervous about that as well. Um, and we keep saying this, but it's the truth. Let's focus on the crisis. Let's focus on getting through this, this tough week that we know that the experts are telling us is coming. Let's get through that. Then let's focus on those areas of the country that can go back to work as soon as possible and get things moving in the right direction and not focus on political objectives and dangerous games that they want to play with our voting process, our sacred voting process that we have in this great country. So uh, I think that's where the country is. But... Um, they're going to keep pushing, and we're going to have to we're going to have to fight it, and we're going to have to oppose the crazy left wing things they want to put in, in any subsequent legislation. Congressman Jim Jordan uh, on AM fourteen twenty. The answer last hour. Let's go back to the phones now. We're guest free until eleven o'clock. Twenty one minutes of your phone calls. Let's do this. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We'll go to uh, Cleveland. TJ has been waiting. Go ahead, TJ. Yeah. Hi, Bob. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, Gary's absolutely correct. You know, I want your listeners to go on YouTube when they get a chance and just dial in Dogs of War. And when they see the amazing feats that these dogs performed in Vietnam, they will be stunned what these things are capable of doing. I mean, we had a scout dog work with us one time uh, named Bosco, a shepherd. And I wouldn't be here today if this dog didn't sniff out an ambush before we walked into the killing zone. And I remember we thanked his handler, and all his handler said was, God listens to you. He sent us his four-legged guardian angels. These dogs are amazing. People should look at this documentary and see what they're capable of doing. What's and it called Bob, again? Dogs of War. Dogs of War. Okay. Yeah. And and these uh, and I didn't even know this till I seen it. These were not specially bred dogs. Back during the Vietnam War, there was a dog shortage. People were donating their pets to the army to be trained. You know, by handlers to sniff out explosives, booby traps, enemy, you know, ambushes. It's amazing what these things can do, you know, when properly trained. Uh, Gary's absolutely right. They ought to go down this road. The government's aware of this. Uh, But like I said, if people see this, they'll be stunned at what these things are capable of doing and what they realize they're doing. You know, they're just not doing it training. I think they know what they're doing. Uh, I got to tell you, TJ, I, I don't have the experience with it that you might, and certainly from that you learned from watching that documentary. But I agree, I, I, dogs are amazing. I mean, I, dogs are, are you know, and I'm sit here and turn this whole show about it, but 
they they don't just do what they're trained to do. They feel compassion. There's a reason why they're called man's best friend. They literally have emotion. And I think if they have emotion, they can have a sense of understanding. And it's not just okay, I'm taught to scent you know, to, to smell this and use my scent detection. But I think they I do. I think there's I don't want to say they can reason. I don't want to say animals can reason. There's a difference between human beings and animals, and that is the ability to reason. But their emotion uh, can can I think lead to an understanding of sorts uh, that what they are actually doing. I, I know it sounds a little goofy, but I'm with you on that. I really do, Bob. But you know, I got to tell you, there were two scientists one time, and I read this. They were at a zoo and they were watching primates, and the one looked at him. He says, "You know, my dog is more capable of what these monkeys and apes can do," and the other one says, "No, they're not." Well, they went into great detail to test dogs and their reasoning ability. Yeah. And their conclusion is a dog can reason more than any animal on earth outside of man. They do have reasoning power. Bob, there's cases, one real quick. A man died in Pittsburgh. They took him to the funeral home, okay, many miles from uh, where the dog was staying. He was embalmed. He has no scent. They put him in a, a, a hearse. They took him 20 miles to a cemetery and buried him. When the family come home, the dog was gone. His dog was gone. Yeah. Three days later, they go to the grave site to put flowers on the grave, and his dog is sitting pulling guard on the man's grave. Now, to me, the only thing that can be is a spiritual connection these animals have that we just don't realize, but they have it. I mean, there's no other way they can explain that. I'll I'll say this, and I appreciate your call, and thanks for for a really great conversation. I, I, I would probably... I would probably prefer to call that instinct, and that connection is emotional, but I think there's a difference between emotion and reason, and emotional and reasoning. I think there's instinct that certainly dogs have, and I think there's emotion that they have, and we have seen it uh, in many cases, many cases. The one you just told is a, is a great example of it, but I, the, but I think that I think most everybody who studies uh, humankind uh, and 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 quite frankly, all animals as well. But uh, the the difference between the human mind and the animal mind is is the ability to reason. I don't think animals can reason, but they sure have instinct and they sure have emotion too. No question about it. How many times have you seen animals? You know, you know all of those um, <clears throat> videos everybody does when uh, when a returning soldier comes home from Iraq or, or from from Afghanistan or wherever, and they're on leave, and they come back, and uh, and you know they get greeted by their kids and everything else. But have you seen the ones where their dogs just go crazy? They know exactly you know who it is. They feel that sense of relief, that sense of you know the 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 sense of 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 longing for their their master, if you want to call them that, or their loved one, or whatever. And the missing them, and the emotion is clear in them when they are jump all, jumping all over them like that. So there's clear, you know, thought there, if you will, or at least instinctive memory. I don't know if I would go as far as reason, but long story short, I love the idea of using dogs to try to help us here. Thank you, my friend. Independence, Dan, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, Dan. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, <laughs> last Friday, uh, both the president and the governor recommended that everyone wear face masks. So far, it's a recommendation, not a requirement. I'm personally skeptical, but I did think of something that uh, might possibly give uh, masks like that some extra value. Red Make America Great Face Masks. Uh, (laughs) They could could both show support for uh, President Trump's handling of the... uh, uh, of the virus situation, and I'm calling on the chance that uh, possibly you 
or maybe one of your listeners might know someone with facilities to make masks like that, I bet that they'd uh, sell uh, sell a lot. And to, not to uh, get too much of a pun in here, I'll bet it could go viral. What do you think? <laughs> you, you did. You managed to use a pun, intentional or not. Um, and you know what you would have to do, though, seriously, because immediately, immediately President Trump would be accused uh, or his supporters would be accused of trying to uh, play politics with the pandemic, trying to get votes off of the death of people, you know, anything that's going to be used as a... Uh, you know, as a surgical or a preventative type of, you know, shield like that, like that should just be, you know, in that, in that, uh, in that manner, if you will, that it shouldn't be used to promote politics like America, make America great again. So what they would have to do is make sure that they knew every mask sold. 100% of the proceeds would be going to, you know, families of corona victims or something, you know what I mean? Or a charity that is working. Yeah, no, ab- something ab- like ab- that. Because if you try yes. to. If you try to put that red Make America Great on the front of the mask, again, I would love it, and you're right, it would sell like crazy, but there would be a political price to pay as people accuse the president or his people of trying to uh, play politics with a disease, which is something they don't want to do. Well, I'll bet you one uh, positive side effect is if uh, thousands of people started wearing them, you'd see the uh, cries from the uh, left that everyone should wear masks would stop. Yeah, that's you're exactly right. <laughs> they would stop doing that. Thank, thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Good, good phone call. By the way, speaking of the masks, I, look, I don't want to be a jerk about this. I have done my level best to try to understand all points here. The need to fight a disease that has killed about ten thousand Americans and has been spread to 337,000 or 340 or 350,000 right now Americans, and also not holding Americans hostage economically. So I'm trying to walk that line. I'm being very, very careful with that. Having said that, I do point out the fact that it seems like they are just guessing in many ways. The mask issue that the caller just brought up is the latest example of that. In March, we were told, no, don't wear the mask. The mask is uh, not going to prevent you from getting it from somebody else. The only people who should wear the masks are people who have it, or at least are symptomatic. They wear it to stop them from spreading it to others, right? That was March. Once the calendar flipped to April, we started hearing these recommendations that everybody should wear masks because you can get it. Uh, excuse me, get it from other people uh, and not just prevent yourself from spreading it. So it's like, wait a minute, which is it? How could it, how could the disease have changed that much from March to April? Well, the answer is they don't know. They really do not know, and here's proof of it, Dr. Fauci, yesterday. What do you mean, why am I not wearing a face mask now? Reporter asked Dr. Fauci if you're proje- uh, you and the president, everyone are are now uh, uh, telling people that the new guidance is to wear the masks. Why aren't you wearing one? And here's the response: what do you mean, Why am I not wearing a face mask now? Okay, there are a couple of reasons. One of them is that part of the, in fact, the major reason to wear a face mask is to protect you from infecting you. I had my test yesterday and it's negative. Okay, so there it is. I mean, back and forth and back again. Now Dr. Fauci is up there saying, no, wearing the masks is to stop me, if I'm infected, from infecting you. 
not me from just catching it from somebody else. He said, I already had my test yesterday. It was negative, so I don't need to wear one because I'm not going to project, I'm not going to uh, infect anyone else. Do you see what I'm saying? They're, they're literally day to day. All right, literally at least week to week, and in some cases, day to day, the story is changing. The story about the models, the story about the worst case scenario, best case scenario, uh, the story about the whether you not we should wear a mask, all of these things. They it just feels like so much of it is guesswork, and that's frustrating. Uh, let's go to Cleveland and say hello to Wally on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, Wally. Go right ahead. Oh, good morning, Pop. Uh, listen, I just want to get back to Pelosi and Schiff and this investigation they want to do on Trump. Yeah. You know, they brought the people in America through enough stress when they had the impeachment. And the amount of money that they spent at that time from the American um, people and now, again, wanting to do this investigation, that could all be used to help the people who are suffering from the coronavirus. Um and second of all, I just found it very interesting that this is all happening around the time of the census, you know, which uh, kind of uh, sparks a whole other um, uh, problem, you know, as far as people going door to door and really being able to count how many people are living in a home and getting the facts straight on how many people are actually here in America and how many people are here illegally. So that's a whole other story. Yes, it is. Um, that is something I hadn't considered, but that's a very good point. And we talk about voting. You know, of course, our Ohio uh, primary was delayed uh, because they don't want people getting in line to vote. Certainly, they're not going to send people door to door to collect uh, census information. Exactly. I filled out. I, I did get the uh, mailer. You know, the federal government mailer. Yes, we filled ours what out. Website to go to, and you can do it online, which I right. did. Um, you know, but as always, you know, you, you you're relying on the honesty of people as far as getting an accurate count. Yes, let, let's hope so. But this just shows how little the Democrats care about the American people. All they want to do is put down Trump. And uh, funny as it is, um, I didn't have any masks at home, and uh, my husband had a pair of slippers from the Trump Hotel, so I took the uh, cover from the uh, slippers, and I made my husband a mask out of the Trump Hotel cover. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, and also I wanted to leave with one uh, Bible verse um, just for the American people. And it says, um, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. And um, What's that verse again? Can you tell me the, the chapter and verse? You know what? I, I, that's what I was trying to find before I called okay. you, and I couldn't look it that's up. That's okay. But the, it, it is um, a pretty it. important one, and it starts if my people who are called by my name, so people can look it up online. I want to find that out. Yeah, I want to find the book, the chapter, and the verse because that is uh, that is perfect. That is perfectly stated. Yeah. Thank you so much for that great call, Wally. I appreciate it. It is ten fifty-two. I want to get a few more phone calls in before the top of the hour. Right after this, AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thank you so very much to our producer and screener, Marcy, uh, who found it almost immediately. <laughs> and it has it for me right here. It's Second Chronicles 7.14 in the King James Version. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin 
and will heal their land. And that is exactly what we need right now. We need healing, do we not? And the fact that it is Holy Week means there has never been a more important time to pray in exactly the way that... Uh, that scripture passage reads. Thank you, Marcy, for uh, getting the uh, details on that. Uh, let's go to Mary in North Olmstead. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Mary. Oh, hi, Bob. How are you? Wonderful. Thank <laughs> you. Here we are, Holy Week. <laughs> we'll just give it to the Lord and keep the faith. And um, I must say, I was just on the Internet. I'm not sure where, but they do have a mega mask out there, which is that brilliant red. Oh, and really? My I did not bonnet, know that. Yeah, I don't know what website, but I guess if you Google it, it'll come up. Also, okay. my Easter bonnet's going to be my mega hat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, too. But I was just on the computer, and um, Moody Bible says there's so many things we can do during a crisis, and so we have to get out there and do it. And yes, we're being challenged. Also, I think there's a dual agenda here. I think they're trying to undermine politically, economically Trump. And I think we know in the end, truth wins out. Something interesting I picked up somewhere along the way, Trump was going to have a thank you on the 17th of April for the first responders. So I think we should stay tuned. Like he says, you'll find out. So that's go. all I know for now. Happy well Easter. Done, and God bless. Happy Easter to you too. Happy Holy Week. God bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, Mark in Fairview Park. Mark, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, Bob, I was just going to mention you are talking about the dogs before in that situation. Yeah, and, yeah. and You know, uh, I got a dog that's got a little bit of pit in it, a lab, about 60, uh, 60 pounds. I got him at the shelter as a baby uh, where I work. But one thing, I, I don't know what, the last four or five months, uh, every time I sneeze, this dog runs up, he'll jump on the bed, and his face is almost, you know, eight inches away from mine. Like, just like he's concerned about it. Now, I can wake up in the middle of the night, I choke on some, you know, phlegm or something if I'm on my back. I can cough, I can do anything. And he's dead asleep or whatever. But he might be asleep in the living room, but I'll sneeze, and that dog is there in a heartbeat. And I just picked up on this, like, the last four months, and it's... You know, it's just so unusual, and I'm just cleaning out the garage now, and it's dusty. Dog's next door with another dog, and I sneezed a couple times, and he's over at the fence there whining. I don't think there's any limitation to what those animals, and thank you, God uh, God bless you, appreciate your call. Uh, Those animals can do, honestly. I I just don't. They're sent in and has been used uh, by humans, uh, you know, not, not used in a negative way, but used. Uh, in a positive, collaborative way with quote-unquote man's best friend. I don't think there's any limitation. I really don't. That's an example of it. Obviously, Gary's examples are uh, many, and uh, we'll continue to pursue that and hopefully maybe get something done with respect to their assistance. Okay, that's it. That's all the time that I have. If I left you on hold, I do apologize, but we're out of time. Mike Gallagher is coming up next. Stay safe today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.